This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got special guest, rock star real, real estate agent. I think you go by Philadelphia's real estate agent, Steve Bazagami, Bazagani, excuse me, a member of our team here. And again, we are all realtors with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one real estate team with Remax since 2018. So, Steve, great to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. We also got Reese on as well. That's his uh, less than one year old son. You hear any baby <laughs> noises in the background? Very exciting. Uh, so, I want to jump right into uh, a big issue in today's market. And there was a very interesting article uh, that came out on Housing Wire. Uh, that we had uh, we had, we had identified as something that really needs to be talked about, and it's some of the deficiencies in the appraisal industry right now, and specifically what the Housing Wire article says. And I, I want to quote this verbatim because this is not to be taken lightly. This is definitely something that that needs to be addressed. Is that there are emerging biases among appraisers, um, and there's been a lot of accusations put out, and this originally was written in the Washington Post back in January that appraisers are redlining values in different neighborhoods, some that are maybe uh, more poor neighborhoods in areas that don't have the same amenities that others do. And in general, it just seems like the appraisal industry is ripe for disruption because it's very antiquated. Uh, there was a gentleman, Miller Samuel, who's a veteran appraiser in Connecticut, quoted in the article that said appraisers are lone wolves working out of their basement and they're an endangered species. Uh, apparently there were 78,000 appraisers in the U.S. at the end of 2018, according to the Appraisal Institute, and just 40% of those focus on residential appraisals. Uh, so what do you think about all this? I mean, we've seen issues with appraisals. We've seen problems with not seeing reason with one appraiser will value a property literally hundreds of thousands of dollars more or less than the other. Stace, what do you think about all this? Well, I've experienced some um, discrepancies amongst appraisals uh, in this short period of time that I've been in real estate. So, and I do understand that there, it's difficult to get appraisers out to properties um, because there are so little of them. Also in the statistics, I thought it was interesting. 79% of all appraisers are male and 71% are over 50 years old. So you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, a, I don't want to say dying breed, but uh, yeah. So, uh, and I was reading more into the article too, and it's hard to get uh, new appraisers on board um, because of the mentoring process. Sure. And uh, because of these... Um, the majority of the appraisers have been in the industry so long. Uh, apparently, it's very difficult to for them to take on mentorship and uh, mentor new appraisers coming into the industry. So that's part of the issue too. So, but I think you're right. It is ripe for disruption. Um, although during the pandemic, when it was difficult getting appraiser appraisers to come out to properties, I was um, at the uh, at the other side of a desktop appraisal. Let's talk about that. Okay. It was very interesting because I've never heard of it before. And uh, apparently the appraiser conducted his appraisal from Dallas, Texas in our market in Southern Chester County. And um, obviously the appraisal came in like almost $20,000 low, mm -hmm. lower than the purchase price. So, you know, I had to, to have it reconsidered or I tried to have it reconsidered uh, definitely to no avail. But I thought it was interesting. How could somebody who was living in Dallas, Texas, conduct an appraisal from their desktop um, in our market, which could be so different? Well, you know, that that's a fundamental issue here that comes up, because if you look at some and a lot of this depends on the mortgage company, how they select appraisers. And that's where the process gets disjointed in a lot of cases. And you talk about a dying industry. The big reason is they don't make a lot of money when they do an appraisal. I mean, they're making a couple hundred bucks and they got they get like overloaded with assignments. They can't do it all. So that that that's that's a big challenge. And it's not a job people want to get into. I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, there, there's so few of them, yet there's this huge demand. So obviously that's where disruption comes from because there still is a need in the marketplace. 
And you're talking about an appraiser from Dallas, Texas. Well, we've seen locally here when a home hasn't appraised. The property's in Delaware County. The appraiser's coming from Bucks County, right? The appraiser is brand new and doesn't know the market at all. I mean, there, there, there's not a, really a control there. They do score appraisers on their appraisals from one to five. That's been a new thing that passed since uh, the, the 2008 Great Recession when there was a lot of problem appraisals to begin with. The, the, the issue, though, is that you know, the, the, there's got to be some sort of technology component that can be used here. There's got to be some sort of, let's look at the pending data, because that's really where the market is. Mm -hmm. And especially when we know that the home has to close, right? Well, it takes, what, 60 days to close? Well, right now, the way the market's been, where it's appreciating 1% to 2% a month, that data is already irrelevant. And that that's the problem with appraisers. There's no there's no gray area. And uh, a buddy of mine, Byron Lazine up in Connecticut, uh, he he did a uh, he talked about this on um, on a video show they do called The Real Word, and he got 117 comments, and they were all of appraisers complaining that you don't know what you're talking about, you're undereducated, it's easy to get into real estate, yet the problem isn't with the real estate agents in a lot of cases here. The problem is the buyer demand, which ultimately sets the market. However, someone is much someone is willing to pay, sets the market. The challenge there is that th that's there. That those are market dynamics. That that's basic econ one hundred and one, supply and demand. Yet that isn't factored into the appraisal process, and and that that's the 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 problem that a lot of consumers are having, and now they're having to pay twenty thirty thousand dollars out of pocket to close the deal because there's another buyer waiting right behind them saying, hey. I'm going to buy this property no matter what. I'm waiting for this to happen. I don't care. So you can say whatever you want as an appraiser. The problem is that the, the standards are, it, 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 there's got to be some sort of disruption or reform or some sort of tech disruption like we've seen in real estate for the past five, six years. Steve, what do you think? I mean, I know you run into this stuff a lot too, and we've all had our challenges with appraisers. So actually, it's funny you bring that up. So today, just this morning, I got Bank of America is on the, the lender for this one transaction I'm doing. And the the listing agents call and they say, where's the appraisal? Where's the appraisal? Uh, we haven't been contacted. We don't know if anyone's being ordered. Uh, where is everything? So uh, I got a text message this morning and they basically said like, hey, just so you know, we're doing a desktop appraisal and um, yeah, we're not actually going to come out. It's already done. Loans approved. I said, wow, that's which is untypical right. of uh, Bank of America usually. So <laughs> it's right. a little bit more confusing sometimes. Sure. Well, and, and they're one of the big offenders here, right? Where they, yeah. they don't have a lot of communication. You know, we work with a, a local lender, Mortgage America, and all their appraisers come from the county where the property is. That's great. That's not scalable. A lot of right. these big banks are never going to do that. They just have their list. So, it, it, I mean, looking at down the line here with, with appraisals, and um, it, I, I think this is something that if this is being called upon by the Washington Post and Housing Wire is talking about it and th there's these issues that, that run on and on, like what's the repercussions here? I think that's the big question because I've seen some appraisers where it's like a, a twin house or like a semi-detached and they use a single family home and then a row home and then a detail. Like, th no, or they miss like a bedroom or a bathroom. I mean, these, right. are, these are egregious errors that I know if one of our clients saw this on marketing a listing, they would be furious and it would it'd be a problem. And it seems like th that no matter what you do, even when you try to appeal these uh, these appraisals, sometimes it works, but sometimes they don't even, they just kind of say, oh, we're not going to change our mind. And they almost take a stand, but then another appraiser comes in and says, oh yeah, you're good to go. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here for consumers. It's almost like those finance books that you could, you know, if you Google like how to get wealthy real quick and one finance book will say <laughs> this, and then the next book you buy, it'll say, well, if you listen to that book, you'll go broke kind of thing. So like, that's kind of what we're dealing with appraisals. And it's just like, you know, people believe in their opinion. And then it's it's not so much fighting the value, it's fighting the, the personality almost. So that's why it's important to be, you know, you got to build rapport with everybody in the transaction, not just not just the uh, the buyer and the seller. Well, I, I agree with that. And when you look at some of the comments in uh, on, on, on Byron's YouTube channel here, because I find this to be as interesting as anything else, it, you look at some of these comments, I've been doing this for 20 years. Anytime someone says that, I immediately disregard anything that comes after that sentence <laughs> because, you know, just I mean, we've we've all been in the business a long time. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, between the three of us, I think we've been doing it, what, 30 some years together, the three of us. Uh, and it's, you know, they, they don't want to believe in massive disruption. They don't want to believe that it's an opinion of value. The, the problem is you got multiple buyers saying, I want to buy this house right now and the homes aren't appraising. And there's no way to catch up with that data because there's got to be some way. And I, I don't have the answer here. I don't know if you guys, if we do, like, let's go change the appraisal industry right now. But w without having an answer here of 
here's what to do. Here's how to catch up on industry data or maybe just the ability to adjust for time, right? Like appreciations happen X over Y, even though there haven't been a lot of sales. And especially in our market where there's not a lot of turnover here to begin with, we see less than three to 4% of the homes sell each year. You know, there, there's got to be some sort of solution here that's going to be approved because this is the one, I would say this is the biggest pain point in the industry right now in a transaction is getting through the appraisal. You get multiple people bidding on it and then, hey, guess what? It's not worth it. And now the seller has to take ten, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 less and they're already moving and packing their house up. So I wonder to that, to that effect, I wonder if banks are going to start looking at, because like we we all know in the real estate industry is that a home is worth what a buyer, a ready, willing and able buyer is willing to pay for it. So here's the situation for a listing agent. Like do banks start going to the listing agents or the listing agents start going to banks and being like, look, I know you guys didn't appraise this right. The appraiser gave us a value significantly below, but I have five offers here that all indicate that it is worth that. These are all ready, willing and able buyers with pre-approvals. This is what the market value is. I don't really care what the appraiser said. So like what at what point do we get to that situation? Well, and, and that 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 might be another solution. So you adjust right. for time and appreciation, right? You produce the written contracts that were submitted. I yeah. mean, that that's documentation. That's they got mar- people's yeah. signatures on there. The I mean, <laughs> and then you can verify with an agent who's working with that buyer that, hey, my folks did make an offer. So I mean, th- there's ways to the same way an appraiser reaches out to you and say, Hey, I want to make sure everything was reported correctly in the MLS. And what the appraisers don't realize is we get fined massively if the information is not right and bright. I mean, they are all over us. We get emails daily of, hey, this is past the contingency date. Bright is very particular about their information. That's our local MLS. So I love that. So, I mean, maybe, hey, here's the other offers we had. Showing traffic data, right? Yeah. Feedback. What, what other, I mean, there, 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 there's data there to be had. And what I don't understand is why they won't be open to it. I mean, that that's why I have a problem here. And a lot of times these appraisers just, they stick their heels in the ground. They want to be right instead of do the right thing for the consumer. Right. Even if you present them with very recent relative comps, it's really up to them whether they want to reconsider their uh, opinion of value. And a lot of times if there's a little bit of ego involved, they won't. They won't change it. Nope. That's that's it. We're sticking with this and and end of, end of discussion, basically. Well, and, and the, the challenge here, and I have this issue with mortgage companies as well. This affects people's lives. Like this isn't oh. just hey, the deal is going to close two weeks later. Or hey, like this is, hey, you, this home you bought that you won in the most competitive real estate market ever, or maybe even not this market, maybe even a couple years ago where you decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to, I want my family to live here and I'm willing to pay for it. I don't care what the number is. And, you know, the banks have an interest. They have a right to do that. And, and that, I think that's where the rub here is. But there's data that supports this is the market value. And when we're seeing the lowest inventory that I've seen, as long as I've been doing this, Steve, I know you're in the same. I mean, we've never seen a one to 1.2 month supply before. It hasn't happened in a very long time. Yeah. And the appreciate or the, the list price to sale price is in a hundred percent. It's above a hundred. It's yeah, above a hundred. Absurd. <laughs> I, you know, so I, I think that, you know, that there, there's going to be an issue here where if someone can figure this out, because the best businesses they're born out of solving a problem. And this is a problem right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to get a lot of haters on this episode. That's okay because it needs to be talked about a little more. It means you're doing something right when you get haters. Well, <laughs> that is true. And I, we've talked about that offline. I'm, I'm not disagreeing there. But uh, there's going to be people that say, just like real estate agents, I've been doing this forever. This isn't how you do things. Well, guess what? It's not 1985 anymore. It's 2021. And that's where innovation is so important. So, what what other, I mean, what other things should they be considering? Number of offers I love, showing traffic and data, appreciation. I mean, are there any other factors here uh, that 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 appraisers should be looking at? Because I think you know I'm I'm all about solutions. I don't want to sit here and just m- complain about this situation. It's what can they start looking at, and then obviously, how do we get that implemented? Is probably another story. So I mean, to, for me, I I really I might. To sound like a broken record, I just really think the offers are like the best one. That's the live market right now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. almost indisputable. Like, I, I don't know how an appraiser, I, how would come up with an argument against that? Be like, no, it's not worth that. And like, here's five people who are willing to pay for it. Like, what's the argument against that? If like, let's, I mean, you know, Tom, you're an expert in scripts and and dialogues and things. So like, if you were an appraiser right now, like, what would you say to me? Well, logically, there is no argument. I mean, that's right. because you know, I, I look at look at some of the most pricey items that are out there and let's take housing out of it artwork right like who's to say like what a painting's worth i mean i you know i wouldn't know what i'm looking at Uh, right but i rely on the experts and then someone wants it you got to go buy it otherwise someone else will right that that's how it is i mean sports memorabilia that's the same thing Mm -hmm. um cars i mean you know again that's not something that's that's my wheelhouse here but to your point 
written data and and I'll bring up another thing here that I think is relevant. Written written data of hey, someone's willing to pay this for the home. That to me is a great piece. I, I I love that. It's if you can produce the offers and there's more than three of them, maybe we maybe we don't have to you know maybe you adjust for time or appreciation because yeah, when you're looking at a home that's sold five months ago, and this home's under contract now, but knowing that the the pending sale data is always delayed thirty to sixty days, so it's really not even that 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 amount of time that they can look at. Um, I find that that to be really really valuable, and that's real time. You look at what Zillow did buying Dot Loop. You know why they bought Dot Loop? Data to get the data in real time. They're getting all the under contract data right away. They can forecast the market. I mean, it's happening literally. This was submitted for a review. And for those of you listening who don't know, Dot Loop is a uh, contract program where we submit our sales and they say submit it for approval, meaning it's under contract. That's the real data. That's the data in real time. Literally within seconds, they will know what, what's going on. So Zillow did the same thing. And uh, got a little baby on the way here or with us here. He's pretty, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> um <laughs> Put that in the outtakes, Nick. So, <laughs> but you know, Zillow bought that for the intention of getting data to be able to forecast the market because that's what people go to them for. They're the Google of real estate. That's where all the eyeballs are. So, uh, you know, I guess you know, and we'll, we'll I'll leave you guys with this question, then we can kind of move on to the next segment and then take a quick break here. You're looking at appraisers five years from now. Is anything going to change? Are they going to be more desktop? Is there going to be a technology platform? Are they going to factor in appreciation or look at these things? I mean, do you, because do I see the consumers getting a little fed up with, yeah, I'm willing to pay 500 and I'll eat another 50K on top of it because the appraisal may come in short and it's the only way I'm going to get a house. Now, I don't think the market's going to stay like this forever either. In fact, we know it's not. So that's a factor too. But what do you guys think appraisers look like in a couple of years? You know, it should be interesting to, to see the changes. Um, I know that during the pandemic, they, utilize the um, hybrid appraisals, drive-bys, um, desktop. So probably more of that will be integrated. Um, but I really think that somebody has to get inside and see the condition of the home. Agreed. You really have to, you have to see what's inside. You, you can't tell from the outside what's on the inside. Even the, the pictures can be very deceiving. So I'm, I think more along the lines of it's not so much what the appraisers are going to do different. It's going to be what the banks do different. Good point. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to dictate to the appraisers, look, this is how we're doing this now. And this is how you need to operate. And because of like, I imagine the amount of loans that get done will change too, because appraisals will fall short and they'll see, okay, we're not giving out as much loans. We need to change this, step this up mm -hmm. and, you know, hit our numbers for wherever their targets are. Well and to your point, we've already seen just over the past couple of weeks, because there's some some market factors going on. We just talked about this where people like we're out of the pandemic. Now people are going on vacation. There's more discretionary spending happening. We have seen that the market has slowed down a, a hair, not a lot, a hair. I mean, inventory jumped up from one to 1.2 months supply in the suburbs two to about 2.4 months supply in Philadelphia. So about 20 percent. So it's not in, insignificant, even though the numbers are still historically low. Let me be very clear there. But we've seen that just in the past month, lenders have started to make credit a little more available than they were a couple months ago. And they're starting to loosen their standards a little bit to those pre-pandemic levels. So banks are going to be dictated by the number of mortgages they're originating, and especially big banks. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people don't want to work with them because this stuff happens all the time. You mentioned Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase. These big banks tend to have more problems than the smaller local lenders that, that are out there, or even the ones where you can talk to the processors and, and deal with what's going on. So that's a really great point. So let's see how many appraisers hate on us after this episode. I'm going to try to get an appraiser on in the next week or two. I've already talked to a couple today as we were preparing, so we'll certainly do that. And what we'll catch up on next is big news in the real estate industry, Dave Ramsey versus EXP. Something's going on here. We'll talk about it next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Have you considered?
income. Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we have Super Agent Steve Bazagani in the house from the Tom Tool Sales Group. We're all on the same team. We are the number one Remax team since 2018. And we have one-year-old Reese here almost as well, eating puffs like a good baby should. <laughs> so um, super excited to have you on, Steve, again. Uh, glad, glad we were able to make it work. The next thing we want to talk about, and this is like major drama in the real estate world. And, and I've got a couple different uh, sources on this, believe it or not. I've done a little research, some investigative journalism here. So Dave Ramsey, if you don't know who Dave Ramsey is, he uh, has a radio show. He talks about how to get rid of debt and build wealth at, I would say, a, a level that can work for everybody. It's not the most advanced ways of building wealth. It's pay down your debt, don't charge credit cards up, stuff that I, I feel like a lot of people should follow, but they don't. <laughs> uh, and and I, I mean that seriously. Uh, and he has quite a big following uh, to the point where he has uh, developed with what, what's called endorsed local providers, which we are one of full disclosure. Like we are an endorsed local provider with Dave and they, he will refer people that follow his radio show. And he also does some web advertising and some different things to real estate agents, mortgage companies, insurance agents that have interviewed with him and have qualified for this program. So it, it's a referral network on a basis, basic level. So what happened four days ago, uh, EXP Realty, big real estate disruption brokerage that's out there. They're a cloud-based brokerage. So basically the short of it was Dave Ramsey came out and said, hey, EXP, we're not going to work with you anymore. If you're an agent with EXP, you can either leave your brokerage and stay with us or you can be removed from the program. Uh, there's a long interview here uh, that talks about Justin Ford, who leads an EXP team in Michigan, who's been working with them for three years. And uh, what his Ramsey coach told him, that's basically your Dave Ramsey rep, that EXP's recruiting model takes away from the customer experience and the company would no longer work with EXP agents. Um, he got a, his coach apparently had told him that if he switched to another brokerage, he would be working with Ram, he could still work with Ramsey Solutions. They didn't receive any documentation. All the communication was over a phone call. And then Justin Ford said, I'm not leaving EXP. And then he lost access to the platform that Dave Ramsey has and got cut off immediately. So I can verify this story through, I'm not going to name him, but he's another EXP team leader that I've known for a long time. Uh, have you know? He's, he's someone that's a peer of ours. And the email he got was, good morning, blank. I hope your week is going well. I have an ELP update that I need to speak to you about in the next few days. Don't worry. You haven't done anything wrong. There is an update you need to make, or there's an update I need to make you aware of, and we can develop a plan together. I have some times next week. Please schedule a call. So he gets this email. Immediately, he reach out, reaches out, thinking it's a client issue that was concerned over service. The rep would not schedule a call for him right away, set it up for next week. Um, and the call was, sorry, I have some bad news. We've taken a look at EXP's business model and do not think it is aligned with Dave Ramsey. It's not about you. It's about EXP. And uh, he, uh, this gentleman asked, why don't they like about EXP? And the response was the revenue sharing and the recruiting model that they have built, which is basically you recruit people, you get portions of their earnings for in, in perpetuity. Um, and they basically said the plan was you can either leave EXP or or, or not. And then if you don't leave EXP, you're out of the program. So this is all right. I mean, the, the story on Inman's right on. What do you guys think about this? I mean, this is a pretty 
interesting thing thing to do, especially given that you know Dave Ramsey's grounded in like Christian values, and and again, we're we're ELPs, so I mean, I I want to be very clear on that. What do you think about all this, Steve? What you first? I mean, you've been in a couple different brokerages. I mean, what, you know, what what do you think about this whole this whole move by Dave Ramsey and how it all played out? Well, I think there's a a really stark difference to 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 highlight first is that there's a difference between because there are a lot of companies out there. Keller Williams, one of them, that does profit share. There's a difference between profit share and revenue share. Now, Dave is a big guy on don't you know act your wage is his favorite phrase to use. Yes. Um. So, if you know. With a brokerage doing revenue sharing, essentially you are sharing money coming in the door that has not paid all the bills off yet. So it's kind of flies right in the face of what Dave talks about. So like, whereas Keller Williams, to, to make a comparison, they do profit share. You will share whatever we make after we pay all the bills, keep the lights on and things like that. But like outside of, you know, EXP just giving money as it comes in, like, hey, we don't know if this is, you know, actual profit yet. It's it's a, a contradictory, quite as you saw in the article, like it flies right in the face of what Dave preaches the most well and 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 in the terms of being very transparent here our team also has a profit share program so i'm 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 a believer in that i think you bring up a good point spending money before your debts are paid is not a good business decision (laughs) just just to be very clear so stace what about you yeah that was a tough ultimatum for some of these agents um apparently some that were are exp agents and also um are with the ELP Ramsey program, I mean, they were bringing in 400,000 in commissions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for them, it, it, it it's definitely a tough decision that they're going to have to, to uh, approach here. Well, and then, then that person you cite there, they don't tell us who it is. Mm-hmm. That to me is an agent that is super vulnerable mm-hmm. because they have a single lead pillar they're working. That's where I'm, I'm imagining that's where the majority of their business comes from if they're that focused on it. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that can get disrupted. There's no agree. I mean, and, and I, I've seen the contract. I mean, you basically can get removed from the program anytime, just like we can from programs that we're part of if you don't follow up your end. Now, they made a business decision. And, you know, fundamentally, I do agree. You don't want to be spending money before the debts are paid. That's, that's just a bad move. And that's how the whole 2008 you know, recession, in my view, was was based on spending money you don't have. Right. People buying big screen TVs and not paying their credit card bills. Like, I mean, that that's kind of what happened. So exactly. I. I I see that here. And, you know, I, I, I think there, there's two issues to the story. One is they don't agree with the program. That's fine. Some communication could have gone a long way here. I mean, getting an email and, and this is what was reported in the article is exactly what I verified with somebody else. So it wasn't like Inman clickbait, which sometimes happens and some communication on, Hey, here's what's going on. Here's our concerns. Why don't we talk about it? Because EXP is, I mean, they are a disruptor right now. They are, you know, just like Remax was in the eighties. Keller Williams in the early 2000s. You know, there's been these companies that have come along and disrupted the traditional brokerage. And again, I'm not I'm not agreeing with the revenue the revenue part, Steve. That's I love your point there. Um, and you know, so some communication could have gone a long way. I think that's where the the Ramsey side failed. Is they just said, hey, you guys are out. There's no heads up. You know, maybe some some sort of communication. And at the same time, you've seen, you know, I mean, Dave Ramsey spoke at the Remax conference earlier this year. So it's not like he doesn't affiliate with these larger brokerages. And you know, EXP's partnered with Grant Cardone, so there, there's, there's all kinds of partnerships that happen. Um, I, I, I do hear, hear the point very clearly, though, that what Dave teaches is not the same as what EXP is doing with revenue sharing versus profit sharing. Even though a lot of people are going to make that, uh, make that correlation right away with KW and with EXP, it's not the same thing. I mean, you, you've worked there, you know. Yeah. So, you know, for for the people that are kind of sore about this or upset or they don't like it i mean what do you have to say to them about it i mean i i just i'm i'm, I'm just this is kind of mind-blowing this just came out of nowhere i mean this is pretty big news i would say evolve or die basically <laughs> like, not, not to be blunt but i mean right. like hey like you have to you have, you have to take the next step here what's the next option and start looking for solutions that's typically how i operate my business as a real estate agent and it's it's worked out so far i mean i could sit there and complain about it but at some point you have to take the next step okay what's what's another alternative and you know do I want to stay at EXP or, you know, what's more profitable for me and my family here staying at EXP or being associated with Dave Ramsey and then act accordingly? Yeah. And, th- and that's a really good point because I mean, again, I mean, I, I look at what our business is like. I mean, if we were totally relying on one lead pillar, we'd probably work to make that an okay business relationship. That's not always what happens. So the, the thing I, I, I see here probably more so than anything else, and this is a lesson to real estate agents. If you're relying on one lead pillar, you're in a lot of trouble. I mean, these things can go away tomorrow. This this, this happened. I mean, this this was just gone. It wasn't. It all happened within a very short amount of time. 
And typically when big companies make decisions like that, they don't wait around to implement them. They're not giving people like 30 days. I mean, they cut access off to the portal immediately because you know what they want to do? They want to send those people to people that have the same values and have them service them because that's a big deal with Dave's program. I mean, we get scored on our, we have a Ramsey score and uh, it's, they look at like how helpful we are to clients and our business processes, but also our mindset and how we approach working with clients as well, which is a little different than some of the other corporations that partners with agents where they just look at your conversion numbers and your uh, key performance indicators and that's it. So that, that, that's a really great point. So the, uh, now the funny thing is, um, so Glenn Sanford, the uh, CEO of, um, of EXP, um, you know, they're, they're talking about rolling out some new programs. That's all fine. Uh, but for, for them, um, there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of people in there that they had, kind of the the faith affiliation with dave and i think that's the complaint a lot of folks have because you know, i mean I, and look this is not a religious show let me be very clear but if you're going to say these are your values and then maybe counter you know counteract to that and i don't, I don't know if that's what happened or not i'm not in this situation that that's really where the problem is um and you know i think what what glenn sanford said is if we're being bad mouth in the marketplace we want to know why and i mean I know why EXP gets bad mouth, but uh, I mean, I, I mean, do you think this is a result of how they go about their recruiting processes too? Because I mean, have you guys ever been recruited by an EXP agent or did you get the pitch from anybody yet? I, I haven't gotten the pitch yet. No, I but I've, I've had people reach out and be like, Hey, do you ever think about joining EXP? But I haven't actually got the full, you know, full swing pitch type thing. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting because um, with the, the EXP pitch, I think there it's, it's, it's a lot that, I mean, look, we recruit all the time. I'm not going to sit here and say we don't recruit our team recruit. I mean, we've all been part of, we've been on either end of that conversation, like the three of us literally. So the, 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 the challenge that I've seen in, is that in a lot of cases um, and EXP really hasn't penetrated our market too much yet. I mean, we don't see a lot of EXP agents in the greater Philadelphia area, but you look in like the South or California or other places yeah. It, it, they are so aggressive about recruiting and I'm not saying that that's wrong because I love, a, you know, no one likes an aggressive agent until they have one. But the, the point is that it, it it's gotten to a point where it, it's like, you see the broke agent making like memes about them. Like it's, I mean, it's gotten to like that next level thing and that may have something to do with it as well. And I'm, I'm not, you know, they, they can do whatever they want. I mean, they're obviously a very successful company. They're disrupting the industry. And cloud-based certainly has some value in, in a lot of cases, especially in today's world, although now that restrictions are lifting, it, it's not the same thing. There, there, there's a reason why people feel that way, right? I mean, it's, there's usually, you got to look in the mirror when this stuff happens. And that's what I would tell EXP and Dave. It's like, hey, could you have handled this better? Could you have done something differently? I, I do agree, though, Steve. I think you bring up the best point. Fundamentally, there's a big difference between revenue share and profit share. Mm -hmm. So on that note, why don't we take another quick break here, and then we're going to go into some really exciting stuff with Steve and Stacy about video conversion, using video in your business. So for all the agents that are listening out there, you're going to want to get out your notebook, take some notes, and implement this as soon as we get done the show. We'll be back on WWDB, 860 AM, and Tool Time Real Estate Radio. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. 
Welcome back to WWDB 860 AM and Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got special guest, teammate, friend, father, Steve Bazagany. And again, we are with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one team with Remax in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So we, we've talked about a lot today. A lot. Of, I mean, this. I'm going to say this is our best show ever, and we haven't even finished yet. But we've talked about uh, you know some big controversy in the real estate world. N- uh, you know, a, a big challenge that a lot of consumers and agents are dealing with. And what we're going to wrap with today is real life case studies of how to use video in your business. And this isn't just for agents. This is for clients interviewing agents and seeing how video is going to help them get what they want, which is an accepted offer, getting their home sold. Because a lot of consumers don't realize that very few agents consistently use video in their marketing. And the ones that do are the ones that get results. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So let me give everyone some statistics just to understand how critical video is in marketing. And this isn't real estate. This is just marketing in general. And then we're going to talk about how Steve and Stacey use this on a daily basis. So uh, 51% of marketing professionals, according to WordStream, it's an online advertising agency, they uh, name video as the type of content with the best ROI. I bet Reese watches a lot of videos on your cell phone and at home too. I mean, this I do. I did it all the time when I was a parent. So I, I want to. I, I, you know, you're in a pinch. Get that third parent. Yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> get, get the YouTube kids going. Whatever works. Eighty-seven um, percent of online marketers use video content, and the most popular types of video in 2021 so far: explainer interview videos. So ex- explaining how something works. That's seventy-two percent of of marketers like using those the best. use video presentations, 48% use testimonial videos. That's something we just launched. Um, And then sales videos and video ads, that's that's the last, that's 42%. And the reason that's last is because that's the one where you ask for the order instead of giving value and giving content, which is what people want on video. So, you know, we can go through all of this uh, just to give you some other perspective here. Um, YouTube has 2.3 billion users monthly logged in, which means that's the, the, the that that's how many are logged in at one given time. That's the average. There's probably many more. It's YouTube is the preferred digital platform for 90% of people in the U.S. We are streaming on YouTube right now, so we got the memo. Um, and more than 1 billion hours of video are consumed every day on YouTube. So, and 70% of the time, that's done on mobile devices. So, we can keep talking about video. The point is, video works. So when, when people hear this in the real estate industry, they're like, great, I'm going to go figure out how to buy a house on YouTube. What's next? Steve, you're doing something really cutting edge. I know it got you an offer accepted. You're working on the second one. You texted me about it last night because in this world of competitive offers, inventories, a month and a half supply, maybe on a good day, there's people waiving contingencies. The underestimated fact of an offer, in my view, is the likelihood of getting it to settlement and the ease of working with the other agent, right? So why don't you talk about a little bit about, this is actually the first way Steve and I met is, is through a video like this. And I didn't even know at the time, I'm, I'm serious, this was last right. summer. Um, so talk a little bit about what you're doing for your buyer clients when they submit an offer because every agent should be doing this. And if you're a buyer listening, you need to find an agent that will do the same thing Steve is doing right now because it's getting results. Yeah, so basically for me, it's, whenever you so for me the, the the foundational principle here is that you've always got to have the, the thing in your mind that you have a, a, a word is um a, what is it a picture is worth a thousand words that thing man that was harder to say than, than i wanted it to be <laughs> so yeah a picture is worth a thousand words and then basically um a video is worth 1.8 million so wh- at what point do you want to have the advantage over over your competition do you want 1.8 million words going to work for you or you just want a simple email with a couple sentences on there going to work for you so that's where the foundational that's where the motivation to do the video comes from so then when you have um for me so whenever i submit an offer that agent they are typically and this they will never say this in writing anywhere but whenever a listing agent receives an offer if they have worked with you in the past and they like you they will probably have a bias towards your offer and they will pitch your offer in a different light towards uh the seller and if they hate you they will pitch it in a different in a darker light than you want it to be put into and so, and if it's an agent you don't know, then you have the opportunity to put a good first impression on them with a video. You could, they, cause in an email, or if it's just, even if it's just a picture, a picture is still, it's just a still image. So there's no tone and there's no body language, which are the primary communicators of how humans interact. 
it's tone and body language. That's, mm-hmm. And then the words themselves are just, you know, second, actually not even secondary. They're even behind that. It's less than a third yeah. of, of what people <laughs> understand as words. And, and to be clear, Steve is sending a video of himself. This is not of his clients. I just right. want to be for fair housing reasons. I just wanted to say that it's very oh, important. Yeah. yeah, it's it's me. It's me and my ugly mug on the on the camera. So and that's the, that leads me to the next point, though, is like because of the way the world is going and how important video is like your real estate agent that you hire needs to be com- like one of the thing is they have to be comfortable in front of the camera as opposed to like if they are not, if they're one of those agents who are who look at the camera and like wilt away. I mean, their business is soon to wilt away also because that's where we're going. So like, mm-hmm. as I said earlier in the show, like if you're not changing, you're dying. So mm-hmm. evolve or die. <laughs> and this is where we're going. People want video. Well, I love what you said, tonality and body language, right? And I, I, you bring up a good point. If you're difficult to deal with or you don't give the appearance of, hey, I'm going to be easy to work with. Like I'm going to make this a smooth transaction. Correct. Uh, th- that's what the seller, well, forget the agent, the seller is going to want that too, uh, because right. no one wants to deal with someone in these transactions that are already super emotional, super stressful, and they got someone beating them up the whole time and making it even more difficult and stressful than it has to be. So what does the video say? You, let's say, you, I mean, I, I've, I've seen one of these, gotten one. So this was, uh, <laughs> which I, and it was the first time we, I mean, it was literally the first thing, first interaction Steve and I had. You, you text me a video, you send me an offer. What, what's, what, what do you say? Yeah, so basically Tom's a listing agent and my buyer had put in an offer that was probably on the borderline of being offensive. Now, that's what, this is where the video can also help as well, where it makes those low ball offers come off with not as much of an edge as mm-hmm. you would like it to. Because, you know, putting 850 on a 1.1 doesn't always, you know, land really great with the seller or the listing agent. Instead, you give like, what the hell? can you believe this this? is also last june so a little bit of a different time (laughs) right uh, exactly so anyway um so basically the the video is like hey tom this is steve zogany from remax i just wanted to personally introduce the offer in the best way possible uh basically here's a couple of things about the offer the buyer is a first-time home buyer she's super excited about the house she can't wait to move in that's why you have the settlement date less than 30 days uh she's super qualified the lender is someone i've worked with in the past so it's you know, I've done a ton of deals with this lender. So technically it's as good as cash as far as that, as far as qualification goes. And, uh, you know, Reese agrees with all of this. So, <laughs> so that's basically what the video says. And then after that, it's like, if you have any questions, let me know, call me happy to do it. And then, you know, please confirm receipt when you get the chance. Well, and, and think about that though. You're getting Steve smiling, you're getting his tonality and, and he's, he's giving you all this on a script with his son on his lap. So, I mean, I've seen the videos they're, they're very, like they're, they're, they move you a little bit and that it's, there, there's a message there that's saying, I'm going to make this easy for you, easy for me. Let's come to a win-win. And that's the kind of stuff sellers want. I mean, they don't want these people that are going to beat them up all the time. So, and, you know, I mean, recently it was, you got, I know you've been texting myself and, and Josh, our sales manager, every time you do one of these, it's getting, it's helping get offers accepted, right? I mean, that, that that's the main thing here. I mean, that's the result that we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, every time the listing agent uh, gets the video they're like love the video thanks for doing that i mean i've I've, i was texting josh and tom both like the responses every time i send a video uh the listing agent goes wow great touch i'm stealing this or love the video or whatever it is like it's it's never react i never get the reaction of wow i can't believe you sent this you idiot (laughs) yeah well here's what it said i I got the screenshot well played love the video i'll print review tonight and be in touch tomorrow if i have any questions thank you right i mean that's you know and and all it is is just it's making you stand out and it's making you look like someone that's going to be easier to work with. So all the agents listening, all the buyers listening, anyone who's thinking about buying a home, make sure your agent is doing this because video is how people are connecting. Look at the past 15 months, right? The past 15 months. How many times did you have like a Zoom meeting with somebody? That was We normal. onboarded Stacey on Zoom <laughs> totally. to the team and she sold like 48 homes in the past 12 months. So video works. Video works. So that that that's a great thing. And I, I wanted to talk about that. So what other videos do you see out there that people should be sending or um, for their business that are going to help them or help the consumer? I've got a couple written down here, but Stace, I want to go to you because I know you've used video a lot in like the when you're getting to know the clients and it's worked pretty well for you also. Sure. Uh, whenever I'm confirming an appointment, I'll shoot a quick video uh, just for confirmation. And also this way they get to know me a little bit through that video um, and they can see what I look like if we're meeting somewhere outside, you know, at at um, a showing, they'll know who I am before I even mm-hmm. pull up. So uh, I think it's really very helpful. The other area where it's great is open house videos. So it's great for, uh, it's an awesome tool. If you're hosting an open house, you know, shoot a, a quick video, time and date, give a, a little sneak peek of the house uh, as a teaser. Mm-hmm. And um, and that way, you know, it's, it's a great introduction to the open house 
again, people get to see you um, and, and they get a little sneak preview of the home. So it, it's great, a great way to advertise. Well, and you can take that open house video, right? And you can mm -hmm. share it and you can advertise it on social media. And then it becomes that explainer video. You're explaining the house. It becomes yeah. a show, a showcase of what's going on in, in, in the property. And what we do with our team, which I, and, and Nick, so Nick's like the mad genius here. You'll never want to get on camera, but we have a green screen. We'll pull down. We'll put the house behind Stacy or Steve. So instead of spending 20 or 30 minutes driving out to the property to shoot the video, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's it's a lot easier to get the video out there and make it look like the the, the house is there. So open house videos are great. We're going to take a little intermission here with Reese, but um, it's, it's all good. Um, so open house videos, um, you're talking about direct to consumer videos. Do you feel like that makes the people feel more comfortable when they meet you the first time? Totally, because totally. Like, a lot of times we meet people and they, they have no idea who we are or, or you have the classic real estate picture from when you're 25 years old right. and now you're. 39 like me and it, I don't look and anything it looks the same. Totally different, yeah. Right. This is uh you know the most recent picture of you or in you know in movement and <laughs> in the live. So people get a sense of who they're getting ready to meet, you know that it takes the edge off. That's for sure. And I've had the feedback from um many potential uh clients and buyers who who I've met with they're like I knew who you were as soon as you got out of the car from your video. So it definitely works. Well, think about the safety component there too, because I mean, you're meeting people at, at houses sometimes. Sometimes these houses are vacant. Sometimes, you know, you, someone may feel a little concerned meeting someone for the first time. So that video kind of disarms them and it makes it a little easier in the sense of like feeling safe meeting you somewhere. Because the reality is we meet people at properties and it's not your house. It's not their house. It's the house they're looking at. The seller's not home. Who knows if the neighbors are there? So that to me is, it has, has a value point too that people don't think about. Um, what about a how's the market video to me, this is, uh, or, or like a, did you know, and I know Steve, you did kind of a whole series of these with Nick of certain things that are happening in the market and explaining it. I know Stacy, you've done some market updates. So what does that do between you and the consumer? Does that build rapport? Does that help you appear as the expert? Talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. So basically it, it, it gives you FaceTime with the people and it's called a parasocial relationship where people watch certain videos of the same person over and over again to the point where they know, almost feel like they know you. So when you show up to an appointment, they're like, oh my God, I know, I feel like I know you already. But like parasocial meaning it's, it's kind of a one-way thing. You obviously talk to somebody, you have no idea who they are, what they're like. So building that parasocial relationship actually builds trust. And then you have that trust with someone when you, you have the rapport built before you arrive. And that's the number one easiest way to uh, closing a close a client, so you, you higher conversion because of that. And then after a while, you also develop critical mass, which is obviously one of our team goals here with all of the marketing we're doing is having that critical mass, uh, you know, executed on you know to the best best way that we can do it. Well, and that you bring up a good point there because you know it, I think the the you know the agent listening right now that they're they're on their own right, which which to me is a very tough spot to be in. I mean, we've all talked about this uh, for for a, a lot. They're trying to film their own videos. They're using like an iPhone. They're trying to edit it themselves. They screw it up. They can't edit it. They don't have someone like Nick or a resource like him that is like Edward Scissorhands behind the camera making these things look good as many times as we could screw up. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's really where a team outperforms an individual because you have these resources where you walk into the video room, you go film and you're done and you're in and out of there in maybe five, 10 minutes, depending on the video where, you know, that, that that's one of the resources we offer. And that's also a lot of the stuff we train on. I mean, how nervous were you to get to get on video the first time, Stacey? Very nervous. Very nervous, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very nervous. As we're on like two but live streams right now. Nick, it's awesome. He's yeah. great. He, you know, but, like you said, he works his magic. Well, and, and, and Steve, you brought up the point that if you're not going to get in front of video and you wilt in front of the camera, you're probably not going to be able to convert at a high level. So if you're looking for that kind of training, you know, we, and you're thinking about getting into real estate, we have a real estate scholarship program. You can check out the details. It's uh, realestatescholarshipprogram.com. And to take it one step further, as we kind of wrap up here, if you look at the, the real trend rankings just came out. And if you don't know what those are, it talks about the, like the top agents in the country, the top people in each state. And the stat I pulled from this is that the top 1,000 teams in the country, they did 49.7% of all the business, almost half, right? So this is the way things are going. So you 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 know you so for for you guys because I know you, I've I've been here but I want to hear your perspective. You're trying to figure out how to do video. You're trying to figure out how to do all these things. What's the advice you have for a new agent that's afraid to send the video with with the offer? That's afraid to give a how's the market update. 
what do they need to be doing right now? Because there's a lot of people getting into the business, a lot of people that are transitioning careers after the pandemic. What advice do you have in the last you know, two, three minutes here that we got for the new agent listening or someone that wants to get into the business and wants to do something? Well, I, honestly, um, I've been blessed by being on a great team. So for me, that was pivotal because um, getting onto a team that has tremendous experience and the resources for success, uh, to me, that's that's everything. So new agents out there, um, seek out a team. There's so much guidance and uh, rapport and advice. And um, I, I can't stress it enough. And the value that it adds to your business is immeasurable. Oh, and you just started less than a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. So, right. And you had tremendous success that way. So guys, there's definitely something, there's a ton of value to that um, with Stacy. So for me, uh, the best way to go about it is to align with a team that has the same goals as you do. So like when it comes to finding um, long-term trajectory. Like for me, I've been in the business for almost 10 years. So for me, it was just like, where can I find the people who are going to the same place I'm going? So, and that was, you know, the best, the easiest decision for me. Well, and, and, and you bring up a good point there. You got to be aligned with the people you're hanging out with. There's a lot of studies and we're, we got about a minute here and we're going to wrap this up. And I also have a, a quick thing for video. I want to share with everyone from Chris Smith, uh, one of the uh, co-founders at Curator, that if you're not hanging around people, that are going to level you up, you're probably not in the right spot. I mean, that, that, that's, yeah. that's because you end up adopting the traits and characteristics of the people you spend your most time with. So I think that, that that's a great observation on, on, on your part, Steve. And what I want to leave everyone with, with video. And I saw this, um, it was a tweet today from Chris Smith. And I, I love, so the video content, you're doing the follow-up video. You can't get a hold of somebody. You're trying to reach out to them. Chris Smith, who uh, curators a, they build websites for realtors. It's stop checking in and instead call with laser focus. Respect people's time. Cut to the chase. So instead of saying, hey, I'm checking in with you. Hey, I found a great new home that could be a fit for you. Or your neighbor's home just sold $100,000 above the asking price. Get to the point and come up with a clear message in your videos. On that note, we're going to cut it there. Steve, thanks for coming on, my friend. Always good to see you. Stacy, we'll keep rocking. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Again, you want to connect with us. Connect with us on social, Tom Tool Sales Group on Facebook. You can email the radio show info at tooltimeradio.com. Follow me on Instagram at tomtool3rd. Stacy is at the number two, Mitchko. And Steve? Uh, real easy, Philadelphia Real Estate Agent. At Philadelphia Real Estate Agent, all on Instagram. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks so much. 